Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to 8X Radio, and this is Anthony Santiago. After two years of trying to make money online, I decided enough was enough. I learned a lot, but I haven't achieved the results that I want yet. I'm committing every single day to becoming financially free and receiving a two-comma club award. I will not stop until I have crushed these goals. Join me on my pursuit to financial freedom. I'm documenting my way there, and I want to show you the way. My name is Anthony Santiago, and welcome to 8X Radio. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Anthony Santiago here, and welcome back to 8X Radio. All right, so where we left off yesterday was I was talking about how I was kind of fixing my uh, sales page, uh, the different things I was doing with that, and how I was planning on doing my second launch of my product. Um, So I would say um, the the first launch wasn't a complete failure because I was able to get about 90 leads, and that kind of that kind of data is really useful because you can use that um, with your future ads, right? Because this particular thing, right, it's storing it in your Facebook pixel data, and how uh, Facebook kind of works with the pixel is that it uses the data that it has, and it's able to look at your previous campaigns and your previous ad sets and segment the audience that you're targeting and find out who's more likely to perform your conversion objective. Now that's why some people say that you shouldn't try and go for purchase right out of the gate because you're probably, um, well, if you're just starting out, right, you don't have any purchases. So you're trying to um, use a conversion event that you're not likely to get. So generally what people recommend is that you go to something lower like initiate checkout or add to cart um, if you have a cart uh, thing in your business, um, like Shopify. So what I was doing was I was optimizing by lead. So Facebook is going to go out, it's going to throw my ad at random people, um, and it's going to try and find somebody who's most likely to be a lead. Now, when you have an empty pixel, it literally is just throwing it kind of at random people, right? because it doesn't have any data to work with. You have conversion events that work on Facebook and conversion events that work off of Facebook. So let's say you're doing like a traffic campaign. Facebook already has that data with them. They have a bunch of data points on who's likely to click. And if you do an engagement thing, right, that's gonna target people. It's gonna segment your audience by people who are likely to engage with uh, your ad. And Facebook already has a ton of that data built up. So they already they can already easily target within Facebook who's going to do that. The complicated part is when you get to your website. They don't have any data on your website. You have to build that up yourself. So they don't know who's going to be who's most likely to be a lead or an add to cart or initiate checkout or a purchase. So you you you're kind of, it's kind of this they call it seasoning the pixel right. It's this whole game of getting as much data as quality data as you can. And hopefully, as you're doing that, you'll be making some sales along the way. So specifically what I'm doing is I was optimizing for a lead. Um, because the, you know this is the first time I'm ever doing like um, this type of funnel, right? The SLO funnel with an offer. And I wanted to, I would be more confident optimizing by lead because I feel confident in my squeeze page, right? Um, I've never written like a full-on sales page before, um, so I didn't want to be 
uh, wasting, you know, potential ad money on optimizing for something like purchase, right? Because it's probably, <laughs> I'm probably not going to get it right the first time. So I'd rather gather up quality leads first. And then when I get leads, I can move to initiate checkout and then purchase, right? Um, so that's where I am right now. I'm going to be getting to the point soon. I believe it's 100 conversion events where you can do this thing called a lookalike audience. And a lookalike audience is probably one of the most beautiful things ever because it's able to take all of your data that you've come up with and it's able to generate a whole audience with that of people that have the same attributes as the people um, the people that you're targeting, right? And it's based off of what you're optimizing for. So let's say you have 200 purchases and you're optimizing by purchase. You don't even need to have like any targeting on that. Like you can literally just pop in your lookalike audience and Facebook will probably do a pretty good job of sending people in who are actually going to buy. And it generates you can you can use like the slider thing and it lets you select like one to ten percent I believe it's ten percent it's like one I think it goes one to ten percent it's like a little slider thing so like one percent of the US's population will be like 2.4 million uh, something along those lines so you you basically take uh, let's say purchase right you make a lookalike audience out of that, and then you suddenly have an audience of 2.4 million people who are pretty likely to buy because they share the same attributes with previous people I bought from you. So I want to try and do that when I get to 100 leads. I could be wrong. I believe it's 100, but it might be 200, but I'll check on that tonight. <laughs> um, so basically, I'm going to create a lookalike of people who look like my ideal lead, right? People who opt in. And I'm going to start running traffic from there. And the quality of data goes up with a lookalike audience because it's matching, you know, previous characteristics, right? But I kind of rambled on for a little bit there. Um, so I want to get into today's uh, main topic, which is a product versus an offer. Now, when I was structuring my new product, right? Um, I was thinking back to when I was doing dropshipping and uh, print on demand, right? You're working with one product and there's a pretty big problem when you're working with one product and that's the competition. When you're selling one product, you're competing mainly on price and that's a problem, right? Because the buyers, right, are going to be looking for the lowest price. So that's why somebody is going to buy from someone else rather than you. So you're kind of racing to the bottom and you're kind of killing your profit with it because you're trying to sell it for less and less and less and less so that you can get more customers. It's literally a race to the bottom. And what Russell mentions is there's no strategic advantage to doing that. It's like if, if you're, there's, since there's no advantage to being the cheapest, right, you may as well be the most expensive. And the question is, how do you become the most expensive? And the answer to that is that you do this thing called an offer. Now what an offer is, is multiple products put together that kind of fit together logically. And that way, 
you're you're still technically selling one product, right? It's just bundled under one name, but the perceived value of that thing is through the roof. So if I were to just try and sell my course, right, which it has a perceived value of four hundred ninety-seven dollars, and when you're selling uh, when you're selling this kind of thing, right, the perceived value should be at least ten times what you're charging. So if I were to just sell my course alone, I probably would have trouble selling it if I was trying to go above $49, right? Because 10 times that would be $490. So what you do is you identify the logical things that people would want with, in this case, my course, right? So I got a couple ebooks together. I had a mini course attached to it. And suddenly the perceived value goes from $490 to over $1,000. So now when somebody goes to me, right, they're not going to look for the cheapest course. They're going to look for who has the most value and who has the most value in my industry. Well, right now that's me, right? That's the benefit of going with a offer instead of a product because of the value, the perceived value. It kind of puts you on an even playing field with everybody else. For my product, which is a course, right? It's a course mainly for beginners. I thought to myself, what is what are different thing? What are different products that I could add to this offer, right? That a beginner would benefit from, and particularly, it's a programming course. And I thought of the different. Uh, pitfalls, right? Uh, what causes a beginner to kind of get off track or to even fail um, at programming? What are the different things that they waste time on? <clears throat> what are the different things that they should focus their time on? So I took all those things together and I combined it into an ebook with it just so happened to be over 40 pages of uh, pitfalls and stuff. But what's the perceived value of that? You can probably say, you know, this book is worth maybe $10, but the perceived value is worth 10 times that. So this particular book would be worth $97 or, you know, $100, whatever it is. So that's the idea. You find different things that logically fit together with whatever it is you're selling. And that's what allows you to outsell everybody because you're no longer selling a singular product. You're no longer competing on price. You're competing on value perceived value to be exact. This is why whenever you see Russell Brunson selling something, he's never selling just one thing, right? He always has multiple things bundled into whatever he's selling, even if it's in the form of an upsell. So he has like his whole free book thing going on, right? With uh, dot-com secrets, expert secrets. Now you can just buy dot-com secrets, right? But once you buy that, right, he's gonna try and upsell you with something. And if you buy that upsell, maybe he'll offer another upsell. Well, guess what? All those products within like the upsell, the book, all that stuff is one offer. So you, you can kind of split it up and spread it throughout the funnel. And you can use that to raise your average uh, cart value. So what happens when you raise your average cart value? Suddenly, you can spend more on ads. And you can outspend people. You can outbid people on Facebook ads. Because when they're buying something from you, right, you're, you're selling it for more money. And 
whoever can spend the most to acquire a customer wins. That's exactly how it works. Whoever can spend the most money to acquire a customer will always win. And an offer allows you to do that. It allows you to charge more. So when you're selling something, think about how you can turn whatever it is you're selling into an offer. And it will be so much easier to sell whatever it is you want to sell. Now you might be wondering, like, I'm doing this for dropshipping or print on demand. How do I apply this to that? Well, if you're selling something for dropshipping, right? Let's say you're selling something in a camping niche, right? You're selling a tent. Well, an offer that you can make for that is you can make a course on how to camp or how to hike, right? And then maybe you can bundle in some survival supplies like a water bottle or um, I don't know what the things that are in a camping niche, but I think you get the idea, right? You can make digital products as well that you can bundle with your dropshipping products. You, like I said, you can make a course on how to camp. Maybe you can make a book and you can sell them other things. It's just a matter of identifying the logical things that can fit with whatever it is you're selling. And that will allow you to charge more for it. And it'll probably be easier to sell because nobody, at least not that many people in the dropshipping space are doing that. They're all testing singular products and seeing which one sells. But if you go in there and you say, I'm selling this tent, but I have a course and a book and a water bottle and a survival knife and, you know, a couple logs of wood, right? Do you think they're going to buy from you or the other person that's just selling a tent? They're going to buy from you. They're more likely to buy from you because you have an offer. And if you want to take that a step further, you can turn it into a high ticket offer and then you can sell it with a webinar. So now like you have this camping thing, you have like 10 different products grouped into this one thing. And imagine how well you could do if you attach a webinar to that. And you say, hey, um, you drive traffic to a webinar and then you sell them on this tent idea and you say you're getting all these bonuses, you're getting a chorus, you're, you're getting this knife thing, you're getting a couple of logs of wood, um, you're getting this, you're getting that. You just have this whole list of things that are being bundled into this high ticket offer. So now you don't have to sell the tent for $100 anymore. You can sell that tent for $1,000 because the perceived value is so much higher. Do you see how you can apply this to what you're doing? It doesn't really matter what you're selling. It really doesn't. You can apply this uh, to anything. I didn't think I was going to be able to apply this to programming when I was uh, first making my offer. But as I started to work on it, I started to brainstorm different things. I'm like, wow, there's so many things I can bundle with this course to get it to a the price point that I wanted to sell it at, which was $97. So the trick to this is whatever your price point is, you want to sell it for 10, what well, the perceived value is to be 10 times more than that. So if you're selling your tent, right, your tent product for $997, it should be worth at least $9,000. And what's the perceived value of a course, right? That can be $500. Maybe you're bundling multiple courses together and that could be worth a couple thousand dollars. It's just a matter of being creative with it and saying this can you know, fit with this core product. Another thing that you can do 
is think of the potential pain points of your product. So for example, let's say, um, let's say you were selling a kit for building a toy house or something, right? Well, not only are you selling, you know, the building materials, right? You're going to sell them a course that tells them how to build it. You're going to give them an ebook with, uh, you know, pictures on that takes you step by step how to build it. Maybe you're going to give them a book on how to build other stuff with those materials. It doesn't matter what you're selling. Just be creative with it, brainstorm, and put it into an offer. Now, when you're brainstorming, right? No idea is bad. <laughs> no idea is bad. Just write down every possible thing you can think of that'll fit together. It doesn't matter how crazy it is. So, you know, if we're going to the whole, this whole building thing, maybe you'll write down that you're going to fly out to their state and help them build it. But that's not a ridiculous idea until you're done brainstorming. And you cross out everything that's kind of crazy, right? Because <laughs> I don't think you would want to do that, right? I don't think you would want to fly out to the person's house and build it for them, right? That would be kind of ridiculous. But when you're able to think like that and you're able to think of these crazy ideas, you can get these unique ideas that nobody else would ever think of. And that's exactly how I thought of the different things in my offer. And now I have something that nobody else has. I'm selling things in my offer that nobody else has in their courses. And that's what makes me unique. It makes it gives me a unique standpoint in the marketplace. And there's always an advantage to that. So if you're listening to this and you sell like just products, I um I really think and I highly recommend that you look into how you can structure it in an offer. Think of the different pain points that um, that your product can have, because usually when you're selling something, you're cre- you're actually creating more problems for the customer. So, for example, my course, right? If I'm selling like just a course, there might be some people who might want some extra guidance. So, what does that tell me? That means maybe I can add in a coaching program or a mentorship thing. Try and think of the different problems that your particular product um, introduces. Um, a famous example of this is the iPhone. When I was first introduced, right, now suddenly we have the need for, you know, all these accessories like chargers, um, ear pods, uh, the different things that go with the iPhone, screen protectors. There's so many different things that can go with it because there's so many problems that it introduced. You know, people don't want their screen scratched. Now we have screen protectors. People want to listen to their music on the go. Now we have these earpod things that they came out with. You know? It's almost like you're creating like your own tiny little industry, right? Because you're creating something and then you're introducing other problems with it. Identify what those problems are and then make a product in your offer that addresses that problem. It's as simple as that. When I started thinking in terms of offers instead of a product, my whole perspective changed. And if you're somebody who sells just products, then I highly, highly recommend looking into uh, Russell Brunson and how he explains an offer. It will change your outlook on everything, and it's what allows you to charge a lot more for your products and sell a lot more of your products.
Alright, so I think that is it for today. Um, I did ramble on a little bit about the uh, Facebook ads. <laughs> um, but hopefully you learned something with this whole offer versus product thing. Um, it's changed my whole perspective, and I hope it changes yours too. Thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and I will see you tomorrow.